What is up, Aspire Leaders? I'm so glad to be with you again this week. I have the wonderful opportunity to speak with Bradley James Davis as he shares a really powerful story of a time he had a panic attack and a near-death experience, which totally enlightened him on how he was dealing with his stress as a leader and his mental health. Before we begin that conversation, though, I just want to let you know that I will have the awesome opportunity to be with Jeff Gargis, Chad Ostrowski over at the Summit Leadership Symposium in Ohio. Each one of us is going to have an opportunity to present there, and I'm going to be presenting on aspiring to lead for beginning administrators. So I'm super excited about that presentation. I hope you have a chance to join us there in Ohio, August 2nd and 3rd. Now let's get to our wonderful guest, Bradley James Davies, who has been a school principal, superintendent, and is the author of a wonderful book, School Leadership from A to Z. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I'm so excited because I have a former Minnesotan with me, and I have been talking. We have actually quite a few locations and things in our life that have intersected, and so super excited about this conversation. Bradley, you are doing so much in education. I cannot wait to talk about your phenomenal book and all that you do. Thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Happy to be here, Josh. Thanks for having me, and go Eagles. (laughs) Yes, we were in neighboring cities growing up in Minnesota. I grew up in Egan, you in Apple Valley. I can't wait to, for you to share with my listeners as far as your story, your journey in leadership. So if you wouldn't mind, I don't know if you want to start all the way back in Minnesota, but I would love for you to share your educational leadership journey. Well, being a proud Minnesotan, I have to start there, right? In the land of 10,000 lakes. Um, I'm the son of a bricklayer dad and a bookworm mom, proud graduate of Apple Valley High School. Go Eagles. And in truth, you know, my education journey started right after college, soon after college, when I stumbled into a long-term maternity substitute teaching position. And the subject was Spanish. And I joke that I pretty much stole my salary there for the first few years, but I was a few, few pages ahead of the kids. And then quickly from the classroom, transitioned into a dean role, and then into a high school principal role, and all the way into what became the equivalent of like a small town superintendent role in the independent school world as the head of school. Um, and so gosh, over 20 years, I taught, coached, or led elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. And the reality, Josh, the, the sad reality that um, really was the inspiration for the book is that, you know, at age 30, I was a high school principal. Age 40, I was a head of school or small town um, superintendent. And at age 46, I was on my back in an emergency room thinking I was dying of a heart attack. The reality was that it was the first and only um, anxiety attack um, I've had in my life. Um, But the fact, my fact, my truth was I really believed I was about to die. And that's sad enough that certainly work-induced stress was at the height of COVID, etc. So it doesn't take an expert psychologist to kind of name what was going on. Um, but that's sad in and of, in and of itself. But, but the real, the real tragedy was I was about to die alone, Josh. Nurse asked me, is there anyone you would like to call? And I said, no, ma'am. And so that was a gigantic wake-up call to me, not just for the impact that the work was having on my body, 
And the truth, I was in denial about it um, and really clued into the somatic um, um, connection between you know our mental health and, and our physical health. And so I was grateful that my body woke me up. The real sad part was that not just that the work was causing me so much stress, um, but that I wasn't managing my life in a way um, that was conducive to loving relationships in my life. And so it was a real wake up call for me. So I, I say that I retired formally from school leadership because I was really, really tired, but it's euphemism. I had, I was beat down. I was ground to zero. And so with that crash landing of my career, I, I decided, you know, the next day after that emergency room experience that I was going to walk away from school leadership, that I just wasn't equipped to do the work from a wellness standpoint. I'm proud that I did the work well and I served my communities well, um, but I wasn't able to do it in a way that honored my well-being. So, um, so I walked away and, um, and it took me a while, Josh, to really start to tell myself a healthy story. Initially, my story was I was a failure and I, I had to really come to the understanding that I wasn't a failure, but I was a fool for allowing myself to get so low um, I told myself that I was a, a wimp for walking away and it took some time to understand that I wasn't a wimp, but I was unwise for neglecting real tried and true wellness practices that would have helped me sustain me in the work, work that I loved and work that I believe in, you know, that I wasn't a loser, but I most certainly did lose my way. So the book school leadership from A to Z, how to lead well without losing your way started with me, um, just trying to heal. And as I started to write the essays and explore where I went wrong, I started to really get a sense of, gosh, I might be able to turn my mess into a message for others and hopefully be in service to other school leaders to help them avoid um, where I got. So the book ends up being a how-to. There are a lot of successful strategies and hacks and tips and tricks that I think school leaders in any age and stage of their career will value. But more importantly, Josh, it's a, it's a how-not-to. It's a how not to get to that point where I got. And on a micro level, when I work with clients, it's so important, right? This is your one wild and magical life. This is your gift um, to, to do with as you please. So on a micro level, it's important. And also on a macro level, I believe it's so important that if we have school leaders at best limping into work or at worst walking away from the work altogether, if school leaders aren't thriving, there is no way that their teacher teams are thriving. And if their teacher teams are thriving, there is no way that the children are thriving. And so on a macro level, I just think this message is important. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored, frankly, to, to kind of stand in this space to, to name for school leaders what they can't always name for themselves, that the work is really, really freaking hard. And, and school leaders need help. And I'm hoping my book and, and my work and others like you doing this great work and will help leaders thrive. Well, I appreciate your transparency and in, in your journey and sharing that because I think a lot of people are, are feeling that right now as we are at the end of the school year for most. Um, some have been out for a month. Some are still in session right now. And so, you know, they're they're feeling it. And in the spring, going into the summer, it's that time of rejuvenation and trying to heal from the stress and the hard work that we've done over the school year. So I think your message is perfect timing right now. I really would love to dive into your young self. I think, you know, mm -hmm. maybe you said age 30 as a principal, you know, reflecting now in those early days, what did you learn? And maybe it's through failure of how to lead well. Well, it most certainly was through failure. <laughs> I, I must say that, you know, I give myself an, an A plus for effort 
um, but an overall kind of C minus um, for my leadership impact those first few years of leadership. And if I could go back and, and talk with that young leader, just personally, I would I would encourage him to slow down and soften. In my book, I write an essay called G is for Garden Hose. And, you know, school leaders stand and they, they, they straddle the space between what is and what could be. We're drawn to this work, all educators, teachers, school leaders, because of the idealism, the potential of what we can do to change the world by investing in children's lives. And so all of a sudden, here I am at 30, you know, given the keys to the car with this great idealism of wanting to change the world. And when you straddle that space between what is and what could be, it's, it's a real unhealthy soil for taking yourself way too seriously and feeling like you need to change the world tomorrow by the end of business tomorrow. And what I would want to encourage that young leader that I was at 30 to embrace is that beautiful things are more often built brick by brick, not via revolution. That the teachers who he's serving have personal lives. They're exhausted. They have their own children. They're navigating their own relationships. And to give them more grace, I would encourage them in the spirit of Jesus for Garden Hose you know, we talk about as school leaders that we put fires out all day. And the young leader I was didn't walk around with a garden hose. He walked around with a fire hose. And fire hoses put out fires very efficiently. But if you've ever seen a house on fire, you know that m much of the damage is done by the force of the fire hose. And garden hoses, by contrast, they bring forth life. And so I'd encourage, you know, that young leader to slow down, soften, carry the garden hose around. Um, honor his faculty for the humans that they are. And we can get into some of the specifics, you know, particularly around appreciation for teachers. I would beg my my younger self just to embrace that. Um, but I'll pause there. But mostly slow down yourself and use the garden hose. Beautiful things are built brick by brick more often than via revolution. Yeah, the more we talk, the more I feel like our journeys are extremely similar because I was the same way. I had, you know, grand ideas and initiatives and I wanted to go a million miles an hour and most often my staff was nowhere near at the pace or at the capacity, you know, like you were saying, they, they have their own lives, their own stress, their own things that they're trying to work through. So yeah, you brought up appreciation. I would love to talk about that because I think, you know, if we are using the fire hose, like you were talking about, you know, we're probably breaking down relationships by being so forceful. And what would happen was probably a breakdown of culture on that campus. So I want to know, you know, as a young principal, as you're learning and trying to figure this out, you know, what did you use as far as tactics of appreciation to soften up like the garden holes, like you were saying? Yeah, you know, what I talk with my clients about um, often is that the biggest bang for your school improvement buck will come from appreciation, bottom line. Everything else is a distant second. Now, number two is also important culture, but we can get to that. But nothing is more important than appreciation. And what I found in myself early on and what I find in, in, um, in, in other school leaders is that too often we walk our campuses, that is our garden, looking for weeds to pull rather than plants to water. And what I believe passionately is that oftentimes the best way to eradicate the bad is to emphasize the good. Good things watered become great. And if we just... And again, this is about confirmation bias as well. If we look through the lens of what we want to see, whatever your ideal you know, initiative is or 
approach to um, student learning. You look through that lens and you see Ms. Smith and you see Mr. Johnson doing it and you catch them doing good, just like we do with the children. And we say, thank you, Josh. I, I noticed X, Y, and Z. Really appreciate your effort. It's a real joy to work with you. Just in a, in a quick email. And then all of a sudden, this, the, the tide starts to turn. You emphasize the good and you get more of it. Um, I, I highlight in the book, a, a fantastic book called Creating Magic by a guy named Lee Cockrell. He was a, a VP at Disney for a number of years. I highly commend this book to your listeners. And he, he outlines the fact that he wrote, ready for this? 700 handwritten notes of appreciation every single month. 125 handwritten notes a week. Now I have one challenge with that because my handwriting is like hieroglyphics. It makes me look like I'm, I'm a first grader. So an email I say works, um, but here's what he emphasizes and, and is crucially important for, um, for school leaders. The praise needs to be specific and personal. So the, the Tuesday morning email, hey everybody, you were great at parents night last night, doesn't count and actually can come across as ingenuous, um, disingenuous. So. Um, make your appreciation specific, make it personal, walk your campus looking for the stuff you want to see more of, and just water those plants, water the stuff. You know, what's the saying? Grass is greener where you water it. Um, the same is true in school leadership. So I can't emphasize appreciation more. Truly, if that's all we did as school leaders, our schools would move forward in, in pretty magical ways. All right, let's 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 segue into culture. So obviously, you know, if our folks are doing what you're saying and they're being you know, intentional, specific, personal within their appreciation and they're going around, obviously that's going to help the school culture. But what are some other things that you implemented that you really found the culture started to shift? Regardless of the organization, whether it's a family, a faith community, a school community, a business, the reality is that kids of all ages, that means little kids and that means old kids like you and me, function best in consistent and caring environments. Think about the opposite of that, capricious and cruel. Consistent and caring environments, whether it's at home with your children or at school with, with the students, and also with your teachers, with your faculty and staff. So how do you create a consistent and caring environment? Well, cultures are shaped by what we see, what, what we consistently see, say, hear, and do. Cultures are shaped by what we consistently see, say, hear, and do. And so what's on your walls? How do you do your meetings? How do you speak with one another? Um, how do you praise one another, et cetera? Culture, the macro is impacted by the micro. Um, so one of the things I encourage folks to think about is that a drop of intentionality gets you a gallon back. Think about a family dinner, for example. You can sit down, eat dinner, and off you go. There will be value there because you spend time together. A drop of intentionality might be that, listen, when we gather as a family for dinner, we do a high-low yay. Everyone shares a high for the day, a low for the day, and they say a yay to someone else in the family, something they appreciate. Who knows? That drop of intentionality, though, gets you a gallon back. The same is true for school leadership and shaping culture. For example, how do you start your team meetings? In middle school advisories, for example, we, walk, we always go around and do a share. Middle school advisories, frankly, are a great micro example of culture done in intentional ways. And so sitting in a leadership circle, you've got your, you know, APs there and, you know, maybe a dean of faculty, et cetera, and you meet once a week or once a month. How do you start those meetings? Can you start sharing something as people before you transition into the professional work? And you can start 
at the beginning of the year really easy. Hey, what's your favorite color? And then you transition and every time someone else brings a different share. And all of a sudden now you start to build connection as humans. That we're not just employees working in the same building, but we're people partnering together to change children's lives. So the intentionality piece within the context of what are we seeing, saying, hearing, and doing is crucial. Another example is what do we celebrate as a school? Pep rallies can be a real dangerous thing culturally. What are they saying? What are we celebrating? We're saying we're celebrating athletics. Well, in schools I served, we made pep rallies a celebration of academics, arts, and athletics. So we had, you know, the chorus celebrated. We had the fall play highlighted, etc. But that's intentional. Nothing we do is neutral. Every interaction we have personally and everything we do on a macro level when it comes to culture is either going to have a positive impact moving you towards the culture you want or a negative impact. Um, moving you away from that idea. Um, so that intentionality within the context of what we see, say, hear, and do, and that intentionality, the drop of intentionality getting you a gallon back, I believe are, are really at the heart of creating the kind of culture in which all kids, young kids and the old kids like you and me, can thrive while 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 at school. I'm glad to be included in the, the kid conversation. That's good because I think my wife tells me that often that <laughs> I don't have my Here, age. Here it's a compliment, Josh. Yeah. I think when your wife is saying it, she might not be meaning it as a compliment. But within this safe space, it 100% is a compliment. Well, I, I take it as a compliment whenever anyone says it. So that's good. <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, man. I want to talk about... Your story, you talked about just the stress level of your life and, you know, just being in a deep, dark space mental health wise. And I know for a lot of leaders, obviously, I've had the wonderful opportunity to speak to hundreds of leaders across this country. And a lot of times they have in their story about a time when they've lost their way, where they don't understand their why, or maybe they're just burnt out and needing some change or whatnot. So I'm just curious about you, maybe in your principal role, when you were a superintendent, you know, when you felt like you were losing your way, how did you go back to finding that center or finding that passion or being able to continue to, you know, drive in that leadership position? You know, unfortunately, Josh, I, I can only share with you that I didn't. I never got back to it. And that is really what fuels my work now when I coach school leaders. Again, I'm proud of the work that I was able to do alongside um, the teams um, that I serve. But the reality is my body woke me up to what my mind would not allow me to see. It was just baked deep into my brownies. Just work harder, be more positive, um, flip the negative into a positive, be enthusiastic. And, and it worked. It worked until I crashed. And so, I mean, truly... I look at that emergency room experience as the greatest gift of my life that I also mourn every day. Why was it the greatest gift of my life? Because it absolutely obliterated my ego. There was no longer could I deceive myself. And, and the truth is delicious because it leads to true transformation. Why do I mourn it every day? Because there were consequences to my choices over decades using the fire hose. Towards the end, I was much better, but 
there were lives impacted that were not my own professionally. There were very close relationships that were compromised because of the way I was going about the work. You know, I flexed to flourish at school. And as a result, I floundered where it mattered most with my family and friends. That That's on me. That's not the... the um, the work is not to blame for that. The work is hard. And I don't think society realizes how hard it is to lead schools, let alone be a teacher. Um, but I take full responsibility, but I mourn it every day because there were consequences to the choices I was, frankly, unconsciously making in the way I went about the work. So now when I coach school leaders, a few things that, oh my gosh, would have been a game changers for me would be one, I would have had an executive leadership coach for the last 20 years. And we can get into the value of that. And I know I have a bias because that's what I do now, but I would be 20X the human being right now if I had had an executive leadership coach throughout my leadership journey. Frankly, I would probably still be leading schools and doing the work that I love so much. And number two, I didn't have community. I had other school leaders that would, you know, go get a beer with, hang out and laugh with, trade some more stories with, there wasn't an intentionality around saying a real intimacy, I would even say around saying, Hey, this work is hard. I'm struggling because within intentional community, the joys are doubled and the hurts are halved. And so I didn't have that kind of community, that kind of support. So I beg leaders, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. And relying on your primary partner is problematic there. It's not necessarily fair to ask them to shoulder that entire burden burden. So having a, a leadership coach and also an intentional community of a few folks, resonant spirits that can support one another. Had I had that over the last 20 years, I'd likely still be in school leadership. Likely some very important relationships in my life would still be thriving. Um, and I'd be doing the work that, frankly, I passionately believe in still. So I wish I could tell you I had a success story. My success story, hopefully, you know, my story's not over. Had the, had the curtain drawn at that um, emergency room um, table, yeah, I would have been an epic failure. And I was. That moment, I had to stare at myself in the mirror and say, you have failed at life based on what you value. But my story's not over. So I hope now, you know, the answer to your question is, I've found my why in helping others avoid where I'm not. And that's so important. You are doing some phenomenal work. And I want to dive into that because I know probably people that are listening right now are shaking their head like I am with you right now. I mean, like what you're talking about is resonating so much because I've lived it. I've done the exact same thing is, you know, you, you can't show weakness. You just push through, you put the smile on, you try and be enthusiastic. And, and many, many leaders, I know people are listening right now have crashed and burned and had to pick themselves up and try and figure out, okay, well, I can't consistently do this. This is a short term fix. So let's dive into your book because I think this is such a, an amazing resource for my listeners school leadership from A to Z, how to lead well without losing your way. And so what was the purpose behind the book? I know you kind of mentioned that. And then like, who's it for? Like, what's the audience? Is it for any educational leader? It, it really is. So the design of the book, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, Josh, that I started writing just to heal. And particularly the opening essay entitled Now I Know My ABCs chronicles the emergency room and ultimately my pivot away from school leadership. And it's it's just it's a real honest, fully transparent um, offering to, to readers. But the rest of the book, as I started to pull together different essays, frankly, I started with how I failed and 
So a number of the essays um, emerge as best practices because I really screwed up and then I, I figured out better ways to do things. And, and I structured the book as a collection of essays. A is for appreciation, A is for administrative assistant, B is for BCC, things like that. So it's just an easy reference for, for school leaders, really in any stage, aspiring leaders to have a sense of what awaits them, new leaders so they get, you know, hit the ground running in positive ways. And also veteran leaders, folks who, frankly, are starting to feel the burden, the weight of sustained leadership. There are a number of essays that will speak directly um, to them in that regard, too. All right. I want to touch on leadership coaching because I think mentorship, coaching, all that is so valuable. It's something I write in my own book and um, has helped me immensely in my leadership journey. So for leaders out there that may not have one, uh, maybe they've not even thought about having a coach for leadership. You know, what is it that you offer? A, a trained and certified leadership coach is going to offer a school leader a, a handful of positives. First, the, the fundamental premise of this is that the best way to become a better leader is to become a better person. Bottom line. And in order to become a better person, you can't just rely on yourself. Because the number one person on the planet who we are best equipped to deceive is ourselves. So a leadership coach um, provides a handful of positive things in light of that personal growth. One, they become a mirror for you. It's outsourced candor. Because if you are a school leader, there are zero people on your campus who can speak unfiltered truth to you. Zero. The power dynamics compromise every relationship. Bottom line. You need someone to challenge you and in order to grow. Number two, if you're a school leader, you need a safe WTF space. You need a safe what the heck space. And if you're choosing, oh, you've got a few teacher buddies and you're choosing to vent to them or you're choosing to vent to your AP, you, you stepped outside of the ideal professional um, and best practices. You need a safe WTF space and too often school leaders are going home and that safe WTF space is their kitchen with their primary partner. So what an executive leadership coach can do is, is provide a bit of a release valve for a school leader. They can bring a topic that is frustrating to them, an employee that's driving them crazy, the board is driving them crazy. It's a safe space to express those deep feelings. My clients express rage, sadness, frustration, et cetera. That's key, not only for leading well, but for also leading well at home and being a, a you know fully present at home. So that, that aids um, personal growth. And, and I would say then last, the best way to improve yourself is first you have to know yourself and a, a trained leadership coach is going to help you navigate your strengths, your blind spots, um, opportunities for growth, et cetera. And so that it really becomes a, a sacred space to equip leaders to become a better human and thereby become a better leader. Um, and I would say last but not least, when the low points come, when the valleys come, and they will come. If you're going to lead schools over a handful of years, you're going to have real low moments. And the benefit of a leadership coach or, or a trained counselor, if you have a sustained relationship with them where they become a bit of a witness for your life, all of a sudden the hard times come and you don't have to waste a moment building relational capital should you outsource to a counselor or leadership coach when things are going wrong. You'll be able to hit the ground running because of the relational, relational capital you've built up over time with the leadership coach. 
So, you know, the deal is, Josh, if, if you want to become a better golfer, you're going to go get a golf coach. If you want to become, you know, better at anything, the top performers in the world, the top human beings in the world, those who are seeking to improve themselves are recognizing the importance of mental health. Last, I would say, Josh, is that people who are committed to becoming better are waking up to the importance of their mental health and waking up to the importance that a counselor or an executive leadership coach is not someone you reach out to when things are going wrong. It's someone you partner with throughout your life journey to improve and improve and improve and improve. We can't do it ourselves, just reading our, our self-help books, our motivational books, and thinking about it. Having someone who's trained to ask hard questions, to offer compassionate truth to us, absolutely is a catalyst for personal growth. Personally, I believe, and I have a coach now and a counselor, but I personally believe had I had an executive leadership coach during my career, I truly would be 10, 20, 100x the human being that I am now. So I can't recommend it highly enough. Couldn't agree more, my friend. So you don't stop there, right? You're an author, you're a leadership coach, but I know that you provide so many other different services. You're traveling around this whole country, uh, working with educators and leaders all the time. So what other services do you provide? So I, I started a leadership and life consultancy called Falcor. Falcor is named after the luck dragon from the never-ending story. Hopefully some of your listeners, that'll make them smile. So at Falcor, so um, I do a lot of leadership coaching. I work with leadership teams in terms of team dynamics, culture, et cetera. And one of the things that schools have enjoyed doing is partnering with me for book studies. Since school leadership from A to Z is this collection of essays, working with a principal or a superintendent and then working with leadership teams has been really productive. Um, for example, I can work with a school superintendent offline they can choose a handful of essays and then we do deep dives where the whole leadership team reads some essays and then I facilitate the, the deeper learning and discussion. So it, it ends up being a nice through line professional development opportunity over a school year where I'm meeting regularly um, with, with leadership teams. Um, and and that, that's actually been the, the primary way I've been I'm doing my public speaking is within those smaller groups. And it's just been a, a ton of fun. Um, to, to see leadership teams come together around different topics that are pertinent to them and their school at that specific time. All right. I want to ask you, Bradley, a question that I ask all my guests, which is kind of the baseline question for Aspire to Lead, which is if someone could do something tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you suggest they do? Well, we talked about um, partnering with a leadership coach, and I would encourage folks to do that. Sometimes um, folks get nervous about the cost. So I think schools... 100% should fund this via professional development. If that's not the case, Josh, there are a lot of trained, qualified leadership coaches um, who will work on a, what they call low bono basis and education being a nonprofit. I think school leaders will really find that the rates um, can work within their budget. So I, I beg people not to have, um, not to um, shy away from partnering with leadership coach because of cost. But that said, we've talked about that. If I could um, say do one thing to, to aid their leadership journey, I would say Google this YouTube video, Leadership Lessons from Dancing Guy. Leadership Lessons from Dancing Guy. And I won't say anything more, but I promise your listeners that they will appreciate um, the video. And it basically the overall lesson is that leadership can be defined by quality followership. 
and it's a hilarious video. It's five minutes of their time. I think it will like absolutely be appreciated. And I can't, I can't believe any of your listeners would regret watching it. So leadership lessons from dancing guy, Google it, check it out. So it's at a concert. It's at a concert. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure that I am remembering uh-huh. the video correctly and it is powerful. You've seen it. I've seen it. It's awesome. And I'll get the link and I'll put it in the show notes for, for the listeners. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Okay. Well, since we're talking about show notes, I definitely want everyone that's listening to connect with you on social media. So how can they get more information about all the wonderful things that you're doing? So One Stop Shop is at my website, bradleyjamesdavies.com. I'm also active on Instagram at bradley.james.davies and on Facebook, Bradley James Davies. And of course, on LinkedIn as well, Bradley James Davies. Bradley, it's been a true joy to speak with you today. And I, I love all of our intersections throughout life um, between Minnesota, Florida, Texas, Colorado, all those different things that we've talked about before um, I push record. You are doing some really, really powerful things. And I think that starts with just how vulnerable you are with your own experiences. And I just appreciate your honesty today, all of the steps that you've been taking to help leaders across this country and just being a guest today on Aspire to Lead. It's, it's been a powerful conversation. Well, I've really enjoyed it, Josh. Thanks for having me.